appreciate that. Well, uh, we start a brand new series today. Uh, we're going to talk today and for the next four Sundays uh, and try to answer this question, does the Bible matter in 2018? And I know the fact that you're here, uh, I think you have an answer, but not everybody agrees with our answer, so we're going to dig in because if the Bible matters, people want to know why does it matter? How can something written as much as 3,500 years ago, how can anything that ancient have relevance today? Everything changes, the argument goes. People will tell you uh, what was acceptable dress in the 14th century Europe. Now, if you take that same dress and go to a 2018 business meeting, New York City, it's unacceptable what was acceptable back in the 14th century. So it only makes sense that truth, like all things in society, would change as the culture and times change, right? That would be their question to us. But Christian blogger Jeremy Lawler reminds us, and he's written some good stuff on this subject. Truth is not a suit. Truth is not an outfit to be mixed and matched, fashion that's discarded and replaced as styles change. Instead, catch this, truth, biblical real truth, is unchanged. <laughs> truth is unaltered by time or by culture. I'd like to introduce you to my friend Fred. Fred uh, uh, has done a lot of reading. He uh, has dug deeply and Fred has determined that he no longer believes in gravity. Fred believes that gravity is an old idea and it is. It's several thousand years old where they've talked about that idea and gravity just doesn't fit Fred's 2018 world view any longer. He's there on the ledge. Fred's friends shout at him, Don't do it, Fred. Have you lost your mind? And Fred turns around with a confident grin and says, Don't worry. I don't believe in gravity anymore. So Fred steps over the edge of the building. Here's my question. Do you think gravity is paying attention to Fred's worldview? Do you think gravity cares about Fred's newfound opinions and feelings about gravity? Uh, here's the truth. Our thoughts and our feelings on the physical laws of nature are irrelevant. Let me say that again. How we feel about the laws, the unchanging truth, of the universe, really our feelings and our opinions are irrelevant. Gravity will remain and continue in effect regardless of our opinions, regardless of our worldview, regardless of our thoughts on its laws like gravity. The laws of gravity remain in place for our friend Fred despite the fact that it doesn't fit with his worldview today. As a fundamental law of nature, catch this, 
gravity doesn't give a rip about what we think about gravity. You understand? No exceptions. Day after day, hour after hour, gravity is true. Sorry, Fred, no exceptions. That's just the way it is. And that's our dear friend Fred. <sighs> Splat. It's exactly what's going to happen as he ignores the truth and says, no, no, my, my truth, my personal truth is what matters. That's water. It'll dry. How do I know? I experimented yesterday and it dried. You can relax now. <laughs> what we're going to see today and for the next four weeks uh, is that truth in the Bible is just like the physical laws of the universe. The truth of God's Word, the Bible, are just like the physical laws of the universe. And I just want you to know God's Word is true and in effect, whether or not we have differing opinions or ideas or worldviews. Again, just like the law of gravity could care less about how we feel about that law, God's word is similar. It could give a rip about political correctness or current trends and fads and worldviews. <laughs> it just doesn't care because it's true and remains unaltered. Locate with me on your phone in your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is where we're going to begin today, and uh, this is kind of going to be our foundational verse for the next four weeks, and today uh, we're going to camp on this and then move on to some different places in God's book. Uh, if you're able, would you please stand with me? We're going to read out loud 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll start with verse 15, and that's where we're going to end. Here we go, you ready? Here it just goes. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think we can do it again. There's only one, right? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we live in a challenging culture these days. Views, opinions, people's personal truth is changing rapidly. And Lord, as your kids, we need to know how to navigate this new world we live in. So would you help us today and uh, during these next four weeks as well? I'm asking, Lord, specifically now for those who are standing here in your church, and some of them struggle with doubt. Some of them have legitimate hard questions concerning your book, Lord. So I want to first of all say thank you for embracing and loving and being patient with doubters down through the centuries. There were lots of doubters that you've recorded in your book. There's been lots of well-known doubters down 
through church history, Lord, the truth is there's still lots of us who doubt and seek answers. So as we ask and seek and knock, Lord, would you bring in due time the answers that we need? We invite your spirit, Lord, the third person of the Trinity, to be welcome and alive and active in your church. We recognize, Lord, at the moment of salvation, when we say, yes, I do, I believe, I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, Lord, we're grateful you baptize us with your spirit, your presence and your power in the ministry of your spirit takes up residence in our life. So, Lord, right now we want to invite that spirit to take charge. You're welcome in our personal lives, Lord. We welcome you today corporately in your church. Meet us today as we study your book. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong, united voice, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So before we go charging into the rest of the verse, this is key. Okay? So follower of Jesus, we're living in a challenging day. Opinions, worldviews, what used to be taken as for granted, well, that, well, that's true, everybody knows it, and that's not true anymore. So how do we deal with that? Begins right here. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Greek there is a continuous activity. You do it today and you continuously keep revering Christ as Lord. So it's not a one-time thing. Well, you know, 10 years ago I revered Christ as Lord. No, no, no. You, you keep on revering Christ as Lord. What does that mean? That means to put Jesus first in your life. That means you keep on daily making Jesus the priority, the focus, the passion of your life. It means daily you revere as the greatest treasure that you've ever been gifted with is Jesus Christ. He's the pearl of great price. And after we've allowed Jesus to be King and Lord, then we move on to the rest of the verse. I would argue we're too quick to move on and we're not consistent enough, perseverant enough to keep daily revering Christ as Lord. If you don't revere Christ, allow Him to be King, Lord, Master, allow His Spirit to flow, we're not going to do well in this new way of thinking. So get that first and foremost. Revere Christ as Lord. That has to be first in our lives. Every day, every day, I'm going to make Jesus the king, and I'm going to slide off the throne. I'm going to slide over to the passenger side, let Jesus drive. I'm going to let Jesus be king. Critical first step. Here we go. After, after you've allowed Jesus to be king, Lord means king, master, boss, then it instructs us to get prepared. And that's what we're going to do today and for the next four weeks. We're going to get prepared. So this is time to do your homework 
Oh, by the way, did you know you have a, a place on the back of your bulletin? Did you know you have a place there to take a few notes right there? Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's take some notes. Always, it says, with your homework, always be prepared. How much is always? Like, how often do you have to be prepared? Tell me. Always. Like, like all the time. Be prepared, follower of Jesus. For what? To give an answer. To give Bob apologia. It's, that's the word where we get apologetics from. Be prepared to give answers to everybody who asks you. You want to be prepared to give answers to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now catch this. It's kind of cool. Followers of Jesus, we're commanded, this isn't a suggestion, we're commanded to get prepared to have answers ready to share. Command, get prepared, do your homework, be ready to share why you love and why you live for Jesus. It really isn't all that technical or, or theological, but you do need to have an answer. Why do you love Jesus? Why do you live for Jesus? Have answers ready. And how do we know about Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb? Think with me now. And how do we know about grace and mercy and love that Jesus has for us? Where do we get the information so that we'll know and be prepared and have an answer? Where do we get that information? And, and the answer is, <laughs> hold it up right here. Hold up your answer right here. Here's where you get your information. Here's where your hope comes from. How do you know about Jesus? How do you know about the cross? How do you know about the empty tomb? How do you know about all the good stuff he does? How do you know about the Holy Spirit that resides in you? It's from God's Word. It's from the truth that you hold in your hand. It says, we must be prepared, verse 15, because the Lord is going to send people our way who need to hear about why we choose to follow Jesus. Be prepared, because the Lord is in the business of sending people our way, and they need to know why. Why are you following Jesus? Why do you love Jesus? Why is He the King and the passion of your life? He's going to send people our way. And notice, I like this, as I dug in this week, I notice it says, wait for people to ask. Isn't that interesting? Wait for, we're too quick, I'm just telling you. We're too quick to run in and tell them, but it says, be prepared for people to ask you. Now here's the deal. If you'll consistently revere Christ as Lord, that's the, that's the rub. And if we're not consistently allowing Jesus to be King, Lord, Master, Ruler of our lives, then they're not seeing anything different than the way they think. Because then we're just operating in the flesh, and they've got a flesh, and you've got a flesh, and our flesh is ugly and selfish and greedy. You understand that? So, if, if you're not revering Christ as Lord, then there's no Jesus to shine, and they're not going to ask. <laughs> it's only when you revere Christ as Lord, now they're going to see something different about you, 
And then they're going to ask you, why? Why don't you throw other people under the bus like the rest of us do when trouble comes? Why don't you exaggerate to make more sales and commissions like everyone else around here? Why don't you curse and yell like I do when things go wrong? Do you understand? But for that to occur, you have to daily keep on revering Christ as Lord. <laughs> and then they're going to ask you, regularly revere Jesus Christ as Lord in your life and give it some time and daily keep living that way and people will ask you, what's the deal with you? Why do you live so, why do you talk differently? Why, why don't you gossip like the rest of us do? Why, why don't you join in the garbage talk that we all talk around here? I'm telling you, people will ask you why. And when they ask, if you'll keep revering Jesus as Lord and King and Boss, uh, they're going to ask. And when they ask, what should the tone be? That's the next question. How should we speak when they ask us, why do you live in love for Jesus? And when they ask, um, here's what you say. It's about time you asked, my pagan little friend. Allow me to share from my great knowledge, my heathen co-worker. That goes over well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll want to really know Jesus then. Not. Look what it says. Back to verse fifteen. But do this with gentleness and respect. But speak with gentleness and respect. The word gentleness literally means strength under control. It's often used of a rider of a horse, a great powerful horse that's able to be under the control of the rider. They're able to control with the bit and they're able to control that horse. So please, this is not saying you speak with weakness and you apologize for being a follower of Christ. Not true at all. We speak with power and conviction, but it's under the control of the master. Does that make sense? Jesus, when he finished the Sermon on the Mount, here's what they said. They were amazed, Matthew 7, 28 and 29, they were amazed because Jesus taught as one with authority. He taught as one with power and passion, but it was under the control of the Spirit. Does that make sense? It's not speak weakly, it's speak under control of the Lord, the King, who we're revering and loving. Remember, people's eternity is hanging in the balance. We need to speak well. First thing, it says speak with gentleness. Don't be rude, don't be harsh, don't be judgmental. Let's go back to the passage. It says speak to them with gentleness and speak to them with, what's the other one? Respect. Don't talk down to them. Don't be condescending to people like I was, you pagan, you heathen, you know nothing. Uh, we respect their right to choose Jesus. We'll even respect their right to say no thank you right now. Most people, catch this, most people have to hear about Jesus 
clearly explained between 8 and 12 times before they're ready to say yes. And we think if we get one of those opportunities, this should be it. And we attempt to jam and shove truth down their throats. And you need to understand, no, no, the, the Lord's probably lining up 6, 8, 10, 12, maybe some need 15 different folks to share before they're ready to say yes to Jesus. So here's what you need to remember. If you're number five, if you're the fifth one, please don't mess it up for the people who are ready to share behind you. Don't be rude or harsh or disrespectful. The Lord is actually watering and, and pruning and getting this person ready to say yes. We need to all be speaking with gentleness, strength under control, and respect. Today and the next four weeks is preparation time. Okay, We're going to dig in. We're going to try to learn how to get prepared to give answers to people the Lord sends our way who need to hear why we choose to follow Jesus, why they should follow Him too, why this book is alive and true and will change their lives. I want to conclude our uh, first Sunday in our series, Irrelevant, Why Does the Bible Matter?, with a strong warning, okay? So this is how we're going to... I want to give a really strong warning about what not to do in order to be relevant, okay? Because I'm just telling you there's the right ways to do it, but we're going to talk right now about the most common way that people attempt to be relevant in 2018, okay? Turn with me in your Bible, on your phone, Revelation chapter 22, very last chapter of God's Word, of His Logos, Logos, Genesis to Revelation. Here's the strong words of the warning that we need to be aware of. This is Jesus talking now. He's going to close out his, his book. Here's what he says. I warn everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. Whoa. Verse 19, and if anyone takes away from this scroll any prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. Give me your attention right here. Jesus says loud and strong, closing out, I'm going to judge those who mess with my book. Serious, disastrous consequences if you play fast and loose with the truth of the Bible, even if your intentions are good. Well, I'm, 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 I'm adjusting things so that people will come to faith in Christ. The temptation to be relevant in today's culture is to water down God's truth. The great temptation is to soften and adjust the Bible and its truth in order to make it more acceptable, make it more palatable to those in this culture, this world we live in. I, I, need, I need to tone it down. I need to soften the edges 
in order for it to be more attractive to the lost. You tracking? Okay. Many churches, many denominations, many well-meaning individuals are willing to compromise truth to minimize the facts of God's Word in attempt to be relevant. In other words, I want to be relevant, I want to be with it, I want to be with the latest wave, so I want to do what I need to do with God's truth so that I can be politically correct, so people will like me, so I'll be acceptable, and so that maybe they'll hear me better. Things like this. Here's an example. There's, there's really no hell or judgment. Many people have said, no, 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 you know, that's an outdated ancient idea that we moderns know better. You know, we've, uh, we've come a long way. We don't, we don't believe that any longer. And, and hell, judgment, lake of fire, that really isn't, isn't really, that's metaphorical. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I would, would take you, and we're not going to go there right now, but Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, you might want to study that if you've given that some thought. But to me, the best answer for that kind of thinking, if there is no hell, if there is no judgment, if there is no lake of fire, then explain to me exactly why did Jesus have to die on the cross. If there really is... This isn't really a life and death decision. Um, then did Jesus just waste his life on the cross when he died and shed his blood and went into the grave? Because that's the reality. If you're going to deny hell, then you're denying what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Another uh, way to soften things up is the whole idea of sexual sin. Well, you know, they would say, that just comes from overly zealous Puritans. And you know, we're all products of that puritanical thinking, but we're more intellectually evolved these days. And of course, we can live together, we can have sex outside marriage, uh, we can pretty much do whatever we want, no big deal, and if there is a God, He'll forgive us, right? Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Here's what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. <laughs> I'm just telling you there's truth in God's Word that rings true. We know better. You, you can't just do whatever you want and there won't be consequences. Some of you are living examples. You, you know, you, you've just, well, I'm going to do it my own way, and you've done it, and those consequences, the sin against your own body has its consequences, and you've seen it firsthand. Another argument would be, I'm going to be politically correct, I'm going to be modern, I'm going to be with it, and today, in an attempt to be with it, check, check with me right here, 60% of Americans say, you know what, a woman should have a right to choose, and uh, tens of millions of Christians are in that 60%, by the way. Did you know that? And it's a personal choice. It's religiously acceptable. If I don't feel like today I'm ready to, to be a mom or a dad, it's okay. Just get rid of the baby. They don't even say that. Just get rid of 
that tissue, um, and it's no big deal. And tens of millions of us have just went right along with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like choice. Really? Psalm 139, here's what it says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, God. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's not a choice. It's, it's a God-ordained, God-fashioned baby made in the image of God. When we sugarcoat and weaken and reconfigure God's Word in an attempt to be relevant, catch this, we lose the power. We lose the integrity. We, we lose the authority of God's truth. You understand? In an attempt to be relevant, we actually make ourselves less relevant because we've watered down God's book. My experience is this. When the bottom drops out of people's lives, they're not looking for sugar-coated, compromised, watered-down truth. When people are hurting and searching and the bottom has dropped out, they don't want our compromised, watered-down ideas. They want truth that stood the test of time. They need truth that will make a difference. They need real answers, real truth. I'm telling you, folks today are hungry for God's truth, the meat of God's Word. Because right here is the relevant ideas that changes lives. Do you understand? This is where relevancy begins. And as soon as we wander away from here trying to be relevant... That's when we become irrelevant. Doesn't work. We come up empty. Fails every time. Next four weeks, I'm excited because we're going to look for the solid reasons why we can trust and believe that this book is true and dependable and alive. Let me say again, we're going to do this with gentleness and respect. We don't have an excuse to be rude or condescending or judgmental, but we have the answers. Do you believe that? We have the truth, and now we need to understand so we can be ready with the truth when people ask us, why do you live for Jesus? Why do you love Jesus? Why do you talk different? Why do you behave different? Well, well it just so happens that God's Word is true, and it's unchanging, and it's so relevant for 2018. And it's so significant, so fitting, so powerful, has been down through the centuries, and it's no less powerful today. No less powerful. I'd like you to bow your heads, shut your eyes. I just need to ask, are you ready for homework? 
Because if we're going to be ready with answers, apologia, and it really starts with answers for why you love and live for Jesus. If somebody asks you right now, do you, do you have any answers? And if not, would you say, Lord, would you help me to get prepared these next four weeks? Would you help me? Because I want people to start asking me. And perhaps for some of us, the first step is, I need to start revering daily Jesus as Lord in my life. Because if that's missing, nobody's going to ask. When Jesus isn't the king of our daily lives and, and he's sitting on the throne and his spirit is flowing, nobody's asking. Because then we're just living like they do. We're talking like they talk. Our attitudes are just like their attitudes. But when Jesus is Lord, we're revering him daily. They're going to ask. Lord, would you prepare us? Prepare our hearts Lord, help people around us to see a difference in the way we live. And Lord, I pray even for opportunities this next week when people ask, would you enable us to speak with gentleness and respect? And finally, Lord, I just want to pray for myself. I want to pray for all of us. There's a very real temptation to water down and compromise truth. Lord, we, we, we want to just go along with the crowd. It, it's easy just to march along and, and speak the lines that are politically acceptable and correct. Lord, I'm praying that you might uh, empower us and give us courage to go against the flow, to speak truth even when it's not popular. Lord, to speak your truth even when some folks might ridicule and reject us, but help us to do it with gentleness and respect. And as we close, I don't want to just assume that everybody here even knows what it means to revere Christ as Lord. I don't want to assume that every one of you are followers of Jesus and you've realized he's the way and the truth and the life and you've said yes to him, and he's come and taken up residence in your life, he's given you eternal life, you're born again, you're, you're a follower, you've said yes, I do, I believe, very well maybe you're here today, and you know about Jesus, but you really don't know him. He's not changed your life from the inside out. First step today, Jesus, I, I want to revere you as the king of my life. And did you know that starts with the cross? Second person of the Trinity willingly left the glory and the splendor of heaven. Took on a human body, successfully lived his life without sin and thought, word, or deed. Wow. Therefore, Jesus uniquely alone qualifies to be the sinless lamb of God. And Jesus took my place. He took your place on the cross. Can you believe it? 
He willingly shed his blood for my greatest problem, for your greatest problem, we're sinners. And Jesus took our place in the tomb. Early Sunday morning, he arose victoriously, physically, bodily, defeated sin and Satan and death. He did that for me. He did that for you. Have you said yes to that? Have you said, yes, Jesus, you did that for me. I believe that. I receive you as king and Lord and boss of my life. And that that relationship starts today, but it's going to continue tomorrow, revere you as Lord, and it's going to continue on all the days of my life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thanks for your book that gives us all the information that we stand on. Without your word, we wouldn't know any of this. We'd be clueless. So thank you for the truth of your word. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. We get to sing some